0: When I was a girl, I was told by another little girl that I could not read, that I would never read. It was far above my station to even hope for literacy. And you want to know a secret? I was angry.
1: Hello and welcome and thank you for listening. We really appreciate you being here. My name is Amanda Huxtable and I'm a digital storyteller in both theatre and screen and have been for several years. I tell stories with fellow creatives that place advocacy, activism and social justice at the core of our work. This podcast is about a remarkable woman, someone who really made a difference, who you may not be aware of. A black female who changed history as an activist and educator for black women's rights in the US and across the world. Mary McLeod Bethune. This podcast is the first in a series of four. Where we will highlight the story of Mary McLeod Bethune and examine the driving forces in her life using extracts from I Leave You Love, our new drama written by playwright and academic Dr Anita Franklin. Together, we will explore whether the issues Mary faced all those years ago are still prevalent for black women today. Whilst this story is a celebration of our achievements, our podcast will also explore how Mary's strong will, unrelenting faith and spirit played in her life and success. We first meet Mary fighting for her life.
0: I remember a night a lot like this one, falling now. The sun was beginning to set, and I looked out that way to where the sky was struck pink and gold, just before dark. I was standing on my porch, taking in the glory before me, when I hear something. Called out, Who is out there? I said, Who is out there? I can stand here all night. There was a sound of metal, like a click. I could hear breathing, maybe a little cough like he got some dust in his throat. And he said, I have a mind to shoot you where you stand, nigger gal. I felt like if he was going to shoot me, he would have done so already. But instead... He's talking. So I figure me too. So I ask them, "Is that why you hiding in the bushes?" He takes a little while to answer, but finally, he says to me, "I ain't hiding. I'm aiming." Then it hits me. This little clansman isn't fully formed yet. His voice is trembling, and I can smell his sweat. He could still kill me, but it would be more because of nerves than his own race hatred i tried my luck again. Let me see you then, because it looks to me like you have it. I'm downright shaking in my garden, cold and clammy in the sweltering heat. And he says, I don't need you to see me. It's enough, I can see you. Who do you think you are, huh? I try to tell him, but he interrupts me. You are nothing. You, a colored wench who's gotten above herself. Nothing worse in the world than an uppity coon. I say to him, I am Mrs. Mary McLeod Bethune. You ain't nothing," he shouts. "Where's your man? Call yourself running a school? Just who the hell you think you are, huh? Schooling black girls? Not fit for schooling? Fit only for... I interrupted him this time. What's your name? I asked. And he is astonished. What? You asked me what? I said, I asked you, what's your name? Not that it's any of your business, but they call me Clyde. Sweet baby Jesus. Of course, it's little Clyde.
1: So I'm here talking with Dr. Anita Franklin, writer of I Leave You Love. We're here at Vanitas Arts in the UK and are developing for screen and theatre. We are also joined by Desiree Reynolds. Gonna... She started her career as a freelance journalist for the Jamaica Gleaner and the Village Voice. She's gone on to write film scripts, poetry, flash fiction and short stories. Her first novel, Seduce, was published in 2013. Let's tell you more about Mary. She was born on July the 10th, 1875 in Maysville, South Carolina. One of 17 children, we celebrated her birthday this year by eating sweet potato pie. Mary knew struggle and the impact of segregation. Growing up, to defy and challenge the KKK, who terrorised black citizens, used violence and murder against them under the Jim Crow mob rule. The Klan and their supporters were never far from Mary's life. Through her efforts and her achievements, the force of her willpower endured. Mary Like many other black individuals and families, endured the intimidation of the KKK and their supporters as they swept through the South. Mary found the strength and endurance to forge ahead. The daughter of former slaves championed racial and gender equality.
0: Mr. Clyde, do you have a last name? I ain't giving it yet. I can hear the petulance of the child I once knew. Why not? I gave you mine. I didn't ask you. He fairly spat on the ground. I said, you asked me, Who did I think I was? So, who do you think you are, Mr. Clyde? You know what, he said, I'm here with a, a warning. Of course. I could see that. Close down this school, he said. Or we gonna burn it down. We? I asked. That's right. That's when I dared to ask him. How about you? Me? What you mean? I asked him, Mr. Clyde, have I ever hurt you or your mama, Miss Jess, or Daddy Jakes? Mr. Clyde? And he says nothing. I said to him, do you know how I started this school? I don't care, he said. But I kept going. I had $1.50. Come on out of those bushes. Let me see you as clearly as you can see me. And he came out. Big and tall and But in the moonlight, I could see he's barely 16. How you turn $1.50 into a school for children? I asked him, do you know how to read? And he said, I know my Bible. But I looked at him and said, oh, but can you read it, though? Shame curled around his mouth when he said, No. Would you like to learn, I asked. He said, I'm, I'm too old to learn. But you know what I saw then? His hands. I saw that Mr. Clyde had put that rifle down and had hooked his thumbs into his dungaree pockets. So I said to him, Mr. Clyde, I promise you, you are never too old to learn. Let's sit here. And I turned on the hurricane lamps and reached for the good book.
2: Mm -hmm. I offered
0: it to him. He took Mm -hmm. it.
2: Let's read
0: this Bible together,
2: I said, in the light.
0: I always like to think that Mr. Clyde saw the light that night.
2: Did he? Lord? Did he?
0: Well, I think one of the things I want to say is that her being an African-American woman who was born 10 years after slavery had finished, and she's, you know, she's a woman of her time, there wasn't much she did not know about white community, okay? So she recognized who this person was. It's not like, really like this person was a stranger, you Mm -hmm. know, as you can hear in the script. She knew who she was talking to. So, on a certain level, she was familiar with this fear. This is a typical everyday fear of uh, a white person uh, being very entitled to stop you in your business and, and to basically question and interfere. This is Everyday life there. Now, the other thing that she understood the minute that she knew who he was was that she knew this was a young person. She recognized that, actually, he's scary because, after all, he's got a gun, you know. (laughs) Let's see (laughs) Desiree shaking. Not nodding her head, nodding her head, like, yeah. Truly, because children can be very dangerous Mm -hmm. with guns, and so many young people. Volatile end up killing themselves mm-hmm. in the US today mm-hmm. through the whole business of guns. Yeah. So she but she recognizes that this person is he's like a teen. He's mm-hmm. like 17, 18. He's a young person. Mm-hmm. And she also recognizes that because he is a young person, she's testing to see, well to what extent are you going to carry out this particular threat? And she very I think clearly has, I don't know, she takes a risk that actually he's been sent here, Mm -hmm. but this may not be him.
1: Who do you think the Clydes of our time? And I want to open up to all of us. Who are the mm. Clydes of our time now? Oh, my
3: goodness.
0: oh mm-hmm. uh-uh. mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Who are we well, some of it, some of the Clydes of our time are, um, are the people taking decisions um, about our lives. Mm-hmm. So some of the Clydes of our time are in very high positions, and yet they are behaving like children, aren't they? Because Mm -hmm. they're not even consistent with some of what they're doing. But the Clydes are also in our neighborhood. There are so many women, and we've learned this, especially during the pandemic, because with the pandemic, there's no place to go. Mm. And so, so many women... Have actually yeah. met Clyde in the house, Absolutely. and indeed, their own sons mm-hmm. are turning out to be Clyde, as we know. Yeah, mm. domestic violence has been right. This is now. what happened mm-hmm. with. We've seen it with Plymouth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
3: mm-hmm. i I think that I think the Clydes are anyone who makes decisions out of fear first and foremost, what are they scared of? What is it that they feel is their most terrifying thing? And then that's what they make the decisions based on that. And I think Anita's right that, unfortunately for us, that we're living in a time when those people... There are people who are genuinely just evil and horrible and narcissistic and greedy and make the decisions based on what is better for them. A lot of them are also running our government at the minute. But also a lot of people are in positions of power who are making decisions for the rest of us based on what they're scared of. Yeah. There's, that's not, there's no place like that to make a decision from. No, fear
1: and disrespect should never be in a room or decision.
0: You know what? He said, I'm here with a, a warning. Of course... I could see that close down this school he said well, we gonna burn it down
1: Anita shared that day someone who was a new Shiro to me, but had been a Shiro to many for a very long time. This call happened not long after January 2021, with the storming of Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C. Fear and safety were uppermost in people's minds. The world was already at a point of heightened fear, where the impact of COVID had hit, and for some, more disproportionately. Added to this, the concerns of the Black Lives Matter movement could no longer be ignored with the death of George Floyd, becoming a pinnacle of change and resistance in honour of all the lives lost historically. Lives that Mary McLeod Bethune fought to preserve in her lifetime, including her own. They were committed to fight for equality, and the right for everyone to live in freedom.
3: What I liked about Mary is that she just teachered him. She just <laughs> kind, didn't she? she? And I thought, damn, I'd love to have been, I'd love to have been her student. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she dealt with him with such humanity, mm-hmm. but at the same time, what she did is she became a teacher mm-hmm. and teachered him and got him to think about where he was, what he was doing and who he was, and that's what our best teachers do, right? They get us to think about who we are and where we are and what we're doing and where we want to be. Yeah, she didn't shut the door on him even though he was going to take her out. You know, he,
1: she gave him hope.
0: Mary McLeod Bethune was a bit like, um, you know, in, in studying and reading her and, you know, her letters and her speeches. She reminded me of Maya Angelou. And Maya Angelou is another one of those women who said, keep talking. Keep, keep talking. Keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even when you know things seem dark and people are saying unspeakable things, nevertheless, try to keep talking.
1: I just want to pick up on um, a point of um, courage mm-hmm. that takes and strength, and where people find their courage and strength through this kind of adversity. So, I mean, I don't know where you find yours. Me, it's music.
0: In writing this piece, one of the things that became really important for me was to think about the kind of music that she listened to because I believe that she was someone Mm -hmm. who was quite um, uh, shaped by gospel music and spirituals and that kind of thing. And I I just had this idea that particular pieces of music that I've discovered... And I just say, she got up in the morning listening to the Jubilaires, you know, and the whole business of this particular song about building an ark. And I just say, yeah, that,
2: that is the kind of thing
1: that kept her going. Emma, you turn around, dig a hole in the ground, ho, Emma, ho, ho, Emma, ho. ho, Emma, ho. ho, Emma, ho. You turn around, dig a hole in the ground. We join Mary telling us a tale about her and her husband, Albertus.
0: I packed your suitcase. Everything in it is clean and iron. He came out with What the hell is wrong with you woman? Do you know how tired I am? Alberta says, and whose fault is that? Miss Negro lady, head of this and that committee. How come we ain't got more kids? Instead of you racing around organizing other people's business, I done told you a man wants more than one child. Maybe you can't have no more. Maybe that's what's wrong with you. If I do leave, I got plenty of reason. Every damn day he was threatening to leave. Every damn day, sweet baby Jesus. The more I try, the madder he got, the meaner his ways. He said again, whose fault is that? I was sick of hearing I told him, if you're going, then get. To the relationship and what was going on there. It, I think it's a very typical everyday thing that happens. People meet and they met at the church. So, you see, that's considered a good omen. Mm-hmm. Where You know, like back in the day, right. you know, down okay. south when my mother was a child. And, and even when I grew up, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, having a husband or whatever. And she says, well, you know, you should think about maybe joining the church. And then she bust out laughing because she knew that that was... <laughs> Isn't that where all the good husbands are supposed it's to be? Like, in church, and it, and, it, and it? it's such a lie. It is it's such, complete it's lie. It's tradition, but it's complete lie. But it's the thing that you're supposed to say. And so, anyway, she did meet this guy, and he had a very nice voice. And I can imagine that she loved that. That she she loved how he sang the hymns and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. And as she says in one of her interviews, we loved each other. So. We know there that yes, there was this physical attraction and relationship, and they got married, and they left South Carolina and moved to Florida. Talk in detail about um, Albertus and the business of them going what she calls our separate ways. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I can imagine. And that's what I did, you know, yeah, I've yeah, used yeah. my imagination. And I've also based it on people that I, I know, relationships that I know about, especially relationships mm-hmm. that relate to my own ancestors. Mm-hmm. And what you're, you know, dealing with is you're, you're dealing with notions of what a woman is and what a man is.
3: Right. And these
0: roles are pretty rigid. Mm. And the fact that they had been together all those years and there was only one child,
3: mm. that
0: would have been a thing. Mm.
2: Definitely,
0: that would have been a thing in the American South, in African American culture. Mm. So there would have been a question: what was, you know, something wrong with you? Mm. Mm. also the case that being on her own like that made her very vulnerable to gossip of course it made her very vulnerable to um, gossip within her community as well as outside of her community Mm. she is someone who would have had various ministers from the AME churches and Baptist churches look down their nose at her you know so she just had to live a meticulous life. She she was a maverick. She mm. was definitely um, doing things the hard way. She was not taking the easy way out.
3: But I think what I liked about their, their conversation, I think the thing that I think you've captured really well, Anita, is the relationship between the two of them and the struggle between the two of them. And it reminds me of... Uh, Zora Neale Hurston's story Sweat
2: Mm -hmm.
3: where you know the, the the two characters are locked into this battle that's very much about their their gender and about their work and what they put into the relationship.
0: here's my house I'm the man here not you, you the woman you packing my case telling me to leave who do you think you are you not a mission school teacher here and I ain't no little boy neither I tried to talk to him I know you ain't a boy but why can't you stop you know what he said, you want me to pop you upside your mouth, so help me I will. It wouldn't be the first time, but as God was my witness, it sure enough would be the last. He shouted, that's right. You better call on God. You are un. natural woman would know to keep her mouth shut. But no, not you. You always running it. Always with something to say. People to see. All of damn Florida is more important to you than your man. Oh, I spoke real calm and quiet. We agreed. Don't you remember? We agreed that we would start our own school. Your son coming up to six years old, and there's no school for him or his friends. Let's stay and do like we agreed. Start a school. Albertus wasn't listening. With what? Now if we go back to South Carolina, maybe... I told him, I ain't going back to your family, nor mine. We're here now. He said, You stay here, then. I'm going. Home. What am I supposed to say to our child? What am I supposed to say to him? He said, "I don't know, Mary. You good at talking. You figure it out."
2: Let's talk about Albert. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. You know, it really brought home the human story. I mean, she's, you know, Mary was very much a person for people and very, you can see, you can feel and hear through the words that you've created for us but just understand that she was constantly thinking about her girls. They talk, constantly thinking about the people she was in her care. And when you think about people who um, are such strong characters... It's often we forget about their own lives, their own personal choices, their own, you know, really getting a chance to examine what could have been happening for them. Now she was married for a good, what you say, 10 years or so to Albert? For something
0: like um, nine years, I okay. think it was, okay. and they had a son.
1: uh uh-huh. one boy, mm-hmm. which obviously in, in your Condition uh, was referenced to mm-hmm. so let's just talk about. I mean, I call it I call it the girlfriend scene because I always think it's interesting when somebody, whatever age it is, they're just speaking to you like another girlfriend.
0: I recognize this in the sense of, you know, in my culture, there is a kind of thing about. Um, maybe moving away from parents because what can happen is you can have parental interference Mm. which is not very nice so like if one for instance if your mother-in-law really hates you for various reasons um, (laughs) it's better you know or again if your father-in-law dislikes you or whatever way that that might happen and they go away And they build something together. And that's a thing that's going on there. They shared this dream of creating this school. Mm
2: -hmm. And
0: they made this agreement. Mm -hmm. So what
3: made him change his mind then?
0: Well, we don't know. She doesn't talk in detail about um, Albertus and the business of them going what she calls our separate ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but I can imagine, mm. and that's what I did. You know, yeah. I've used my imagination. And I've also based it on people that I, I know, relationships that I know about, especially relationships mm. that relate to my own ancestors. Mm-hmm. And what you're you know, dealing with is you're, you're dealing with notions of what a woman is and what a man is. And these roles are pretty rigid. Mm. And the fact that they had been together all those years and there was only one child,
3: Mm. that
0: would have been a thing.
1: So why Dr. Mary McLeod Bethune and why now?
0: I think that if we start with me being a little girl, because that's the way that I started this play. I mean, you know, literally when I was writing it, I started it with her being a little girl and the kind of challenge of being a little black girl. And when I was a little girl, I had a mother who was extraordinary. Um, you know, you don't really understand how extraordinary your parents are sometime until they have passed on, which is a real shame because really, (laughs) you know, we need to be sure to be honoring them. My mother was an extraordinary woman and one of the things that she did was she taught me about Mary McLeod Bethune as well as other um, black women who had been important pioneers, as it were. Uh, Some of these women, we think of them today as being huge uh, anti-racist people because that's the kind of language that we use. But for someone like Mary McLeod Bethune, she was considered the first lady of the struggle, you know. So people didn't necessarily use the word race all the time, but we were talking about upliftment and, and this sort of thing. And that was a big part of of my childhood was learning about... Um, you know, people like her, Mary McLeod Bethune, mm-hmm. Ida B. Wells, learning about the Harlem Renaissance,
2: mm-hmm.
0: learning about the the first March on Washington, mm-hmm. uh, which had taken place in the 1940s. So I think that I was very lucky um, because I didn't have to wait until I went to school to, to learn, to learn mm-hmm. About, mm-hmm. A, about the, as it were, the movement. Yeah. So that's a kind of interesting thing because, of course, Mary McLeod Bethune herself was an educator. She created a school. She created a university. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Bethune-Cookman College is a historically black university. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from time to time there are these debates about whether or not... Um, people should be supporting historically black mm-hmm. universities mm-hmm. and should we be supporting Black History Month? Maybe we should get rid of these yeah. distinctions yeah. and just kind of have everything, as it were, mainstream. Mary McLeod Bethune is one of these people who in some sense would um, insist that we understand the history mm-hmm. of of this stuff and to realize that in many ways we've been here before.
1: For sure. These
0: movements are um, cyclical, aren't yes. they?
1: And we're constantly asking those questions of ourselves and our practice. I mean, you know, world history, black history, every month, every year, every day, all exactly. that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. The relevance, the the reason, because as I said before, there's there are so many people to come in terms of telling the story. What do you think, and why now? Yeah.
0: Well, for... I mean, one of the things that happened is in my latter years of being an academic, and I had a, um, you know, what I would consider to be a a rather successful career as an academic, in my terms anyway, Um, and I remember people asking me, where did I get my... Sometimes they would use the word inspiration. Sometimes they would use the word nerve, (laughs) and this is because it no matter what university I, I went to um, as a lecturer, I was always one of a few, and sometimes the only. Mm-hmm. And so you would get, uh, I remember a couple of international students you know, not that long ago, staying after class and saying, but how do you do this? How do you be here as a lecturer doing this? Where did you get that from, that ability? to be able to even go for this. And one woman was from China and the other one was from India. And I said, well actually, you know, that's an interesting story. And the short answer I gave them was that you have to understand that I come from a place where there is a tradition of black educators. Yes. yes. There's a tradition mm-hmm. of understanding that education mm-hmm. is a part of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that person, for me, the first person that I, I reach for mm-hmm. in that understanding the tradition that I myself, as an educator, mm-hmm. am a part of, mm-hmm. that person is Mary McLeod Bethune. And of
1: course, internationally, that would be the experience for some people, and less so for in the UK. I think one of the things I was struck by when you first introduced me to Mary McLeod Bethune, because I'd seen pictures, but I hadn't ever do- you know kind of got in closer to the picture, the story. And for me, I suppose it was the perfect time. There was this extraordinary looking black woman who just looked like a stateswoman, stood in front of the Capitol Hill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh. <laughs> like how, do, how do we not know more about this woman? And it was the time. Mm-hmm. When the Capitol Hill just being stormed,
0: exactly. Well, that was the thing that was very interesting, yeah. wasn't it? Because the kind of iconic photograph of Mary McLaughlin mm-hmm. as an older woman mm-hmm. in this kind of fur coat, and she's got mm-hmm. this, you know, gray bouffant hair, and there's the Capitol. She capital. looks like the president. It's the Capitol <gasps> in the, in in the building, yeah. the actual rotunda, mm-hmm. where of course we had all of that insurrectionary Absolutely. energy. And she's also someone, as it turned out, because this is. I think how, you know, creativity Mm -hmm. often works, Mm -hmm. it turns out that she is the is going to be the first African American person who will have their likeness as a a statue Mm -hmm. within that space, because within the rotunda basically what you have for every state of the union, you have two statues, and she will be the first African American in that space. She will be one of the representatives of Florida. So there's supposedly, okay, we're waiting, but supposedly uh, a Confederate soldier from Florida is going to be removed from that space and there is this new beautiful um, marble statue that has been created um, in, uh, in Italy, actually, from the some of the marble, last marble used by Michelangelo. (laughs) And that That is going to be, um, you know, uh, moved into the space um, reserved for Florida. So it's kind of like, it's interesting that it, why now? And this statue is happening at the same time as well. So it feels like there's something in the air.
1: Perfect sense
0: where Mm -hmm. we are being asked to remember
1: this woman yet again for sure no extraordinary day when that happens i've seen some clips of uh you know i believe people coming from the university to go into the cave itself where they have taken the marble and they sang in there and the spirit and the energy and the it's just a glorious day just even seeing that so i'm looking forward to that moment for sure